welcome to another episode of 20-something mom. You guys, I'm so excited about this episode like I always am, but this one in particular, I saw this amazing reel on Instagram and it made me immediately message this saint of a woman to come on the podcast and I can't wait to let you hear what she has to say and tell her story. So Without further ado, let's, so without further ado, let's get into it. Perfect. Yes. Hi, how are you? Hey, how are you? Look at your cute little background. Oh my God. <laughs> thank you. I, um, my boss put up these pictures and then we realized afterwards, we we're like, wait, those are the same picture. What the heck? Oh, I honestly didn't even notice initially so many people say that and I haven't we haven't gotten around to changing that but thank you how are you thank you so much for coming on thanks for thinking of me honestly that was crazy just to get the invite so I appreciate it super super cool oh my god I'm so glad I first came across your page you must know from the reel that you recently posted that was really bizarre honestly (laughs) um I felt like what I was doing was just sharing a part of our life that so many people walked through with us. And I'm not even really that into reels. I don't, I don't do the whole editing thing. So it was just something I put together super quickly for the little group of people that I thought would probably check it out. And, um, yeah, it went. <laughs> okay. it, yeah, I mean, you're up to like nine hundred thousand views. It's really, it's doing amazing. I'm, I was looking at all the comments this morning. I mean, people are loving it. And, but before we really get into that, um, do you want to just like tell us who you are for those who don't know you? Introduce yourself. Sure. So my name is Rachel. I currently live in South Florida, although we are relocating at least part-time to middle Tennessee at the end of the month. Super excited about that because I've been in South Florida forever and I'm a mom. I'm a wife. We have five children. I birthed two and the younger three are part of that adoption journey that I've shared for the last, gosh, the twins will be seven in July. So going on eight years. Oh my God. It is such an amazing journey, and I cannot wait to to discuss it all with you. I mean, um, but just just a little bit more about you. Like, what do you like to do for fun? What do you like to do for work? What you know? Tell us about your husband. We want to know it yeah. all. So, that's a funny story. Mike and I met in high school, but not in the way that normally people meet. Um, when I moved to South Florida from upstate New York, I joined an AOL chat room to try to make friends. Yeah. And the first person that I met was a girl who lived a street over from me. And she went to a private school and it happened to be the school that Mike went to, even though we never went to school together. Um, We met and he said he pretty much knew that we were gonna be married or I would be his wife at one point. It just took about two decades to actually make that happen. (laughs) How old (laughs) were you? worth it we were so I was 15 when I moved here and then we got married when I was 27 
Oh my gosh. So he knew right off the rip. Like he had no. He says he knew from that day in the senior quad when my friend drove me to meet some of her other friends at this school that I didn't even go to. He said he knew. And he was part of my life, part of my family's life for years and years. And we reconnected after college back here in South Florida. And that was kind of the time when I started to take it a little more seriously. You know how you are in your 20s. You're just maybe not necessarily sure what the heck you're doing with your life. Yeah. And then we, we've, we've done so much together. We've started businesses together. Um, we had a coffee shop right before we adopted the twins. That was like my passion project, um, almost as a tribute to my late father and then to the community here. Uh, we wanted to bring a coffee shop into town and we did that. Um, at the same time, we were going through the adoption process. And at the time, we thought it would just be, we had two children, London and Hudson. And so, yeah, so tell me, before we even get there, like, tell me, so you get married, how old are you when you get yeah. married? So we get married, and, and London was our first, and I felt like one was enough. That was it. We didn't really need any more children. Then we got pregnant with Hudson, and... It was so weird because in our before we were married, I remember having a conversation with Mike after one of our premarital classes. And I said, you know, I really, I really feel like I would love to foster or adopt sometime. Is that is that something you've ever thought about? And he kind of looked at me like maybe he hadn't really thought about it, but definitely could see that on his heart. And so after Hudson was born, it started to feel like that nudge was rising again for me and I said to Mike I said I don't think we're done but I definitely don't want to be pregnant like I really don't want to be pregnant so how do you feel about adoption and he said you know I'm open to it you know let's start walking that path and see what it looks like we were starting a business a brand new coffee shop he runs a tech company so it was kind of something that we just journeyed slowly we matched with um one birth mom pretty quickly out of the gate and grew such an amazing connection with her we brought her down to south florida she stayed with us and she went into labor at 24 weeks and we lost that baby oh. however um it, we gained so much from that we gained a beautiful relationship with this woman that I feel like God wanted us to be part of her life at that time. Mm -hmm. And we weren't sure if that was it or if maybe, you know, that was just a step. So shortly after Mike was like, I don't know, I think maybe, you know, that was an emotional scenario for our whole family. You know, our kids met her, every, everything, every part of it. Um, but I said, you know, what's really weird. I've always felt like twins <laughs> were on my heart my husband like honestly he knows me at this point to know that I'm the type to say these things and they're coming from somewhere it's not just chaos that spews out of my brain and he's he says okay so our agency actually sent us this situation a twin situation and that's how it works in adoption once you are home study approved and um like a a ready family they send you situations and then you review them you decide if you want to present okay and 
when we saw that situation in our email, Mike was like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. I'm like, okay, you know, they come through once a day, a couple times a day, you know, once a week, you never know. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, we'll just tell them no. So we said, no, this is not the one for us. Um, thanks for thinking of us. Well, maybe a month later, the agency emailed me and said, our expecting mother has not picked a family yet. She just has not felt that she's met the family she wants uh, to place her children with. And that's important language. So it's um, something that people talk about now in the adoption community, just that that language that you use. And, you know, they are truly placing a child with you. They are not giving it away, giving mm -hmm. it up, any of that. So um, I said, okay, show her our book. You make a little book and you write a letter and you, you know, share a little bit about your life so that they can get to know you as best as they can in that time. I didn't tell Mike. <laughs> oh my God. So I would not recommend that in the future. If anybody's going through this process, this is not one of my tips, um, but I didn't, I said, you know what, if this is, if this is meant to be, then I'll cross that bridge. If she chooses us, I will, you know, we'll, we'll figure this one out. So a couple weeks went by and I figured she just didn't choose us or she's still, you know, you know, going through her process. And then I got an email and the agency, um, the woman at the agency was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. She chose your family. I just knew that you were exactly what she was looking for. And at this point, you know, Mike and I are running this coffee shop. We've got two little kids and he's sitting in the back corner of the coffee shop when I read this email and I'm like sweating. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Like there's people all around. Um, I'm trying to stay cool. And I'm like, how am I going to, this is like a pregnancy announcement, but also like he doesn't think we're trying or doing anything. So he doesn't know this is even a thing. How yes. And double. Yeah. <laughs> Which he already said, not sure. I'm not sure about. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so I run next door to 7-Eleven and I grab anything that reminds me of a twin. Like I grab double mint gum, I grab Twinkies, I grab like all this stuff and I come back into the coffee shop with this bag and I like throw it at him and I'm hysterically crying, which doesn't happen. I don't really cry. Really? Uh, he's like, what is wrong with you? Are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, she picked us. I gave her our book. I told him that we would present and now she picked us and I don't know what we're going to do. And he's like, okay 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 he's like processing as best as he can and trying to keep his composure in the middle of this coffee shop um <laughs> and i just remember him saying okay we'll figure it out we will figure it out wow so like, well, that's a yes like <laughs> okay we're on the same page here we're okay yeah, like cool okay we're doing that so he's like let me see like all the stuff that you Scent and like what this really looks like because I don't think he really processed like what is happening here like when are these babies coming and where is this happening and ugh. so that brought us the twins and um, so yeah we went from two to four you know like that so how did that look like like did this birth mom come to you again did they did how did that work? were you there in the room with them like how does that work so there were some issues at the hospital 
when the twins were born, um, like legal things that didn't allow us to be present in the room when the twins were born. So we were waiting outside the room. Uh, we, we got the phone call that she was in labor. She was going to be admitted to the hospital. We were two hours away. So we obviously knew we were getting close. They were twins. She really didn't want a C-section. So we made it all the way to 39 weeks. Wow. Which was crazy. She did end up having a C-section, but she went into labor, uh, resulted in a C-section. So we were there waiting outside. And then as soon as they were born and they were brought into the nursery, we were able to be with them. And um, we brought them home. We brought Quinn, our baby girl home two days after. And then cost required a couple extra days in NICU because he was um, just a little bit tinier and needed a little help. So that took an extra couple days. And then we brought them home and Unfortunately, again, because of some legal stuff, we weren't able to meet our birth mom prior to or after in this situation. We were able to have conversations on the phone, but there were just some things that we couldn't uh, connect physically with her. So that was really hard because- Is that something that you had you had wanted? So badly. Okay. Like so badly. I was, I was like trying to negotiate with the people in the hospital. I'm like, just bring bring her into the hallway and then I'll pretend I'm going to the vending machine and I'll just like, you know, oh. wink, whatever. And they're like, trust me, we would love to do that. But right now, that's not something we can accommodate. So I didn't know when we were going to meet her. We were able to, you know, keep our phone calls and keep our letter exchanges. And um, we always knew she was living just a few short hours away from us. But, you know, the one thing that, that I will say, and I've carried this with me and I probably bring it up in every conversation. Our home study social worker said to us, you know, this is just a, a beautiful but heartbreaking process. And the one thing that, that separates you and your birth mom and is always kind of that wedge is that you are doing and you, you have what they they couldn't and and that just always just broke me down because I am a symbol of something that she couldn't be yeah um so a sacrifice that she had to make but also like looking inward I'm just viewed as you know maybe where she fell short or where she wasn't able to provide at that time in her life and no matter how great the outcome that's just that's just like who i am in this relationship yeah there's nothing that you can say like it just is what it is you are you embody everything that she wishes she could have been or done for those kids and that makes and that makes so much sense i'm glad you said that i i do want to know so in the beginning of of this whole adoption process with the twins did you go into it I know there were legal things going on, but were were you wanting an open adoption? Like, what what was that like? And and now, like we we see with the the real, and we'll come to talk about that. I mean, you show the meet the first that was the first meeting that they ever had with her, and you know how did that come to be? Is it just legal stuff kind of dwindled away, or how does that exactly work? So I can vividly remember again 
standing in my living room and my husband saying to me, I don't know if I want an open adoption. Like, I don't know. I think that was like his, his fatherly instinct wanting to possibly protect our children from, you know, there could be hurt there. And it was also, this is like a, in my lifetime, anybody who is an adult adoptee comes from this time where people just really didn't want to talk about it. And I know even to this day, I have a friend who last week was like advocating in legislature for adult adoptees to have access to their original birth certificates. Like it is even to this point, 2022, where adoption, you know, closed adoptions and open adoptions are still, you know, very divisive. And I get that people have their reasons for both, but I said to Mike, I was like, this was also the time when, um, what is that show? This is us. Yes. Yes. Starting to come out. And I said, I don't want to get years down and, and our kids look at us and say, why did you keep that part of my life from me? Why did you not want me to have access to that. And so for me, that was something I wasn't gonna be able to live with. Whether or not it worked, I wanted to be able to look them in the face, in the eye and say, we wanted both for you. We wanted everything for me, for you. You know, that part- Oh, that and- gave me chills. That is <laughs> so amazing. But yeah, that was definitely something that we talked about in the beginning because their safety is important to us and, and we wanted, to be able to, once you open that door, you you do not close it again, in my opinion. So once we've always used very open language, like we talk about her and we talk about um, what that looked like and and why and, and all the things, like I've answered their questions from the beginning. And obviously my older kids knew her by first name and you know we spoke about her in a way that they could comprehend at that age level when we were bringing the twins home because you know, what is happening here? What's going on? So open adoption for for me is something that I always wanted. I understand that it can be messy, but even if it takes a lot of time and doesn't always look the way I wanted it to look, it's worth it. It was totally worth it that after six, and a half years, we were able to have that moment. Um, and it was it was a combination of logistics, legal things, and, and she needed to be ready. She needed to be in a place where she didn't feel she was gonna be judged. She didn't feel like she was gonna um, be, any kind of way, you know, even leading up into the moment she pulled into that driveway, I know she had doubts because we were actually supposed to meet the day before. Okay. And, and what happened? I could feel the hesitation um, coming through the text messages and her heart, like, like maybe it was just going to be too hard for her to come face to face. I have met her. I'm the only one who had met her face to face. And what was that um, meeting like? That was when Sage was born. So the youngest Sage um again this was a very unexpected part of the process because we were not planning to adopt oh gosh i'm gonna get you off track here (laughs) no okay Uh, all right you tell me all right so (laughs) 
maybe we should go into so sage when does sage come into the picture so about a year after we brought the twins home um so the twin sage just turned five and the twins are turning seven so they're not that far apart okay um so about 12 or 14 months after the twins were born we got a phone call and i had been i had been cautioned that these phone calls happen you know birth moms tend to find themselves in another situation and more times than not their their choice their preference is to call the family that you know they have a relationship with already so when i saw that area code pop up i just i knew i knew what they were calling about and i was standing in the middle of a children's clothing store and again i said i said yes i think <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right out of the gate like didn't it. even really ask any questions um and then I got home and Mike was like are you serious I'm like yeah of course like there's no question what do you mean and this was probably one of the most challenging times of our marriage because he felt like we were we were like it wasn't even on his mind really yeah I guess maternal instinct just kind of takes over for me at that point and you know Mike is a very logical um calculated type so he wasn't that would just wasn't even a thing he was thinking about and I couldn't imagine any other way so I said okay well I'll let you take some time and digest this I hope that you know maybe we can have this conversation but I was nasty that week we were supposed to give our answer I was not a kind person I was just so I was feeling so like unbelievably, how could he feel so differently? How could I feel so one way? And, and I just, the, the thought coming into my head, I'm like, Mike, you're going to have to look at, we are going to have to look at our twins and tell them that their baby sister is somewhere else. And then we're going to have to tell them we had the chance to bring her into our home. And he was just like, we were wrecked for a week. And on the day, and we didn't even have a lot of time. They were like, we need an answer. We need to know by this day. And he called them on that day and they didn't answer. So he left a voicemail and said, um, you know, we have our, our answer. So please call me back so we can let you know. And in the time it took them to call back he had spent some time like just listening to worship music and in the sauna. And he said, when he came out of that, he said, God spoke to him. And if he, if he's listening to me from the other room, he, he's probably like, Oh, oh. man, I can't believe she's saying all this. Oh my um, gosh. He, that he walked out of that sauna and he was just like flooded with tears and it had nothing to do with what anything I had said or done. And it surely was not the way that I acted that week, but that, he had a total change of heart and when they called back he said yes and so then we brought sage home in the morning that um our birth mom went into labor i drove up to orlando and i was able to meet her in that brief time after she delivered i mean she discharged herself the same day so there was like a small window i was just praying i got there before before she did and before she left 
and I did. So I do have a sweet photo of her and I holding Sage together. But that was the last time that I was able to see her. And um, yeah, it was just, it was super sweet for me, but Mike wasn't able to be there for me. He came up the next day. Um, and uh, so I was able to meet her. So I've seen her, I've, I've been able to hug her. You know, we've been able to talk at this time that we all met was the first time my husband, Mike was able to hug her, embrace her. Wow. Um, and you see that in the in the video, and I'm gonna post that for those who, who are listening and they want to watch it because it, I mean, every single time I watch it, I'm just brought to tears listening to it, but or watching it. But um, going back to you guys kind of having that conflict um, time, that's something that I feel like is very common in these type of situations, right? Like even from the get go, there could be a spouse that doesn't want to adopt at all or does. Like, what is your advice? now that you've been through that, what would you say to those people where, hey, my husband, he has no interest, but, I, but I'm but i drawn to this, or same situation as you, we have these siblings, and, and you know, what do you say to that? So I would not take my advice on going forward and, and <laughs> saying yes in the way that I did, but I will say, like, I spoke to God, like, prayed and begged that he would just make it so very clear, either way, that I would be able to accept the answer that came or that my husband's heart would change and align so that we were on the same page. And I would tell people that that is absolutely the only way because if if that if if that's the start of it and and there's there is not that like same page that alignment, I can't imagine walking the rest of it, you know, on separate sides and, and feeling separate ways because we would never have been able to get the kids to the point that we did a couple weeks ago. Um, Sage wouldn't have even been in the, in the picture and, you know, just so many things that couldn't have happened if, if Mike and I weren't able to see eye to eye. And I truly like, thank, 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 Jesus, because I don't know how, I don't know how we would have walked it otherwise. There are just so many other scenarios that could have happened. And we had to like really step in faith and say like, I know, I know my heart is being called in this way. And I think Mike could see that, but he had to at least have the time to really look into it and, and feel that for himself. And at the end of the day, like I, I know couples who the wife so badly wants to adopt and the husband is just not there and they don't. Um, and, and it's hard. It's, it's so hard if that's how you feel led to grow your family. But I can say there are so many opportunities where you can support adoptive families or the foster community or um, expectant moms or birth moms, you know, on the other side of that. So there are so many ways to fill that space in your heart, even if it isn't bringing a child into your home. Um, just so many ways, because there are families out there, uh, birth moms who have decided to parent that need support. And I would encourage people, you know, to maybe pivot in that way, 
That's such good advice. I would have, yeah, I've never even thought of something like that, but that's so true. I mean, if they are deciding to parent, a lot of the time, I mean, sometimes they don't have that support system and that's the reason why they even went down possibly thinking about adoption or, you know, so it's, it, that is such an amazing idea. So when your husband went to make that first phone call, was his answer going to be no? His answer was a hundred percent no. Wow. (laughs) A hundred percent. I'm not one to really bring up, um, like, I don't talk so much about um, my relationship with God, but I feel very strongly about it. And um, just on this podcast, particularly, I just want it to be very, like, you know, neutral. But um, when it's when you talk about things like this, it's like, to me, I just don't, how do people not, (laughs) it blows my mind, like, a situation like that, God is so there and so involved in that situation and 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 opening his heart to that like you were saying it's just so it's it's so eye-opening to hear a story like that I'm just like how how could anybody ever say this is not true you can look back and you know hindsight of course but on that day that we drove up to be with the twins when they were born we were, were driving and um we saw this moving van or it was like a consignment van and the side on the the sign or the company name was mustard seed and that is my life first with my father like he always he would always whenever I was doubting something he'd be like okay little mustard seed because if you have faith just as small as a mustard seed which is the tiniest seed but grows into the one of the biggest trees you know you can move mountains and we're stopped at this light waiting for the hospital to to call us and say you know come back because they're going in um, to delivery. And I took a photo of this van and I said, Mike, I, I, I know this is where we're supposed to be. Like we just had to step out in that little bit of faith and, and let him move us and let us, you know, move that mountain. And that mountain being, you know, the no and all the doubt and all the questions that we had about why this was gonna be too much or why, you know, we couldn't handle that or why, you know, all the things. So super just. It, it's so meant to be. It's it's so God speaking. And, and, and I wholeheartedly believe that. I think that's so amazing. I mean, so you bring all these babies home. And so, you, well, you have the twins for about a year and a half, right? A little over. Um, how are they doing at this point? Like, how was the their that first couple years with, with these babies and what? What is it? Three under three, right? You had. So London was six. Hudson was three. And then the twins. So four under six. Wow. How was that for you? It was truly. (laughs) It was a little chaotic, but I will say it really allowed me to, I'm the type that's always trying to find like a thing to do. I'm always, I always want to be doing something like I opened the coffee shop. Once I felt like I was out of the baby phase with Hudson, I needed something, you know, and that really forced me to slow down, step back into my home and be present for those little moments. And they, oh my gosh, they went fast. I can't even believe that my youngest is five because I can literally feel 
the exhaustion from those nights and the wake-ups and it just goes, it, it does go by so fast. So I'm grateful for all of those moments. I had so much help from family and, you know, my husband, obviously my kids were incredible troopers and they, they really rose to the occasion as far as yeah. you can when you're a little kid. And it's just been so fun to watch them grow together. I will, I will say I have never been more grateful for a big family than I was, you know, in 2020, because when they went, when people didn't have anything, they had everything. They had each other and it was like such a special time for them to be able to get closer as siblings without the sports, the school, the activities and the friends and all that stuff. Like they were able to, to really just, and they weren't babies anymore. Yeah, They've got new interests and they've got new hobbies and, you know, all these new little personality quirks about each other and learning to ride bikes and all the things. So it's so amazing. And so I do want to know when you have this, so now you have Sage and you have these twins um, and they're all from the same mom, right? So what happens after Sage is born? Like did, was, were the whole, the same legal stuff kind of preventing you guys from having that, open adoption that you originally wanted to have or um how did the five years go and then and then the meeting so she our birth mom after sage was born um our birth mom was definitely going through some healing like that's a lot um just emotionally processed and she found herself in a really great relationship and she was working towards, you know, starting her new life. And I think that time was really important for her to just in a way step back and, and do that healing and do that work. So at that point there were no real legal things, but she did move away from the area. She felt, and obviously like anytime something in your life major happens, sometimes you evaluate, where should I be? What should I do? And so her and Sage's birth dad moved away to, to kind of start over, start fresh. And again, a lot of times it's logistics. So logistically, we just weren't in proximity to make that work. And I always let her know, you know, that door is open here. So when you're ready, if you're ready, you know, we'll make it happen. And, were, and was there constant communication at this point? Like, how often are you communicating? I would reach out all the time. Um, and I would encourage other moms who are maybe in, find themselves in the situation to always be there because I wasn't going to wait for her to reach out to me because maybe she was feeling like I didn't, you know, she was nervous how that would be received. So I was always the one, you know, I would text photos. I would, you know, ask for an update of address and I'd send her little picture books, um, artwork that the kids did and, you know, on holidays, try to chat. So I was always opening or reopening or keeping that line of communication open. And a couple of years, so Sage is five. So when Sage turns Two, we actually heard from her again that she was expecting again. 
and I'm not going to get into this story, but I will just say it's another beautiful situation where we've been able to um, be part, but it's not our part. And so after that, she found herself again in a, a need for change, a life change, and things, things didn't end up how she thought they were going to end up. That relationship um, ended up being a little broken, and she moved back to Florida. Happens to be a place where we vacation. So last year, I, I let her know we're coming up. We'll be here for a week. We would love to connect. We'd love to get together. We'll do whatever. Go to the park. You can come to the house. Um, we'll be here for a whole week. And it sounded like we were going to get together last year. I really thought that. And when we got to the vacation, I messaged her, and then I just didn't hear from her. And I messaged her again, and and nothing. And I felt, well, it could be a couple things. It could be, you know, that she doesn't have access to her phone right now. It could be that. She's just not ready. It could be anything. I don't know. I don't know what what's happening. I hope I hope we get to this point. Um, but the week ended and we didn't get to connect, and I was super bummed. Um, and I think that's a part where, you know, I had let the kids know that that there was a possibility we would get to see her, um, but I didn't. I I didn't really like make it a big thing because I needed to protect their little hearts. You know because that's super, super important. And up Again, until this point, are the, had the kids been on the phone with her? Did they Were they like actively involved in the communication that you were keeping up with? They would write letters or send pictures okay. or notes and things like that. Um, not, not phone communication or, or FaceTime, anything like that. That was not something that we were, or she was collectively, we were not doing. Um, not because I wouldn't or we couldn't, just it hadn't happened yet. So we keep things open. And, and I, I know she was feeling like some kind of way. And I would just let her know, like, it, it's okay. When, when it's, when you're ready, you know, we're coming back. We're not far, you know, all the things. So this year I messaged her, you know, it was a, a similar scenario. I said, I gave her a month's notice, like we're planning to come up. These are the dates we'll be here. Even if it's just for donuts or, you know, quick meet at the park or whatever, let me know. Like I love, would love, love, love just to get to hug you, let the kids say hi. And so we got up there. Of course it was, it had to be like chaotic, like pouring rain. We were locked out of the rental. It's freezing cold. Um, and so I said, I hope we can, you know, I still hope we can meet up. I'd love for you to just come over to the house. And I could start, I could, you know, you can just feel when somebody's words come across in text and you're like, oh, like, yeah. I know, I know there's some hesitation there. Yep. Um, you know, she was like, well, I'm, I'm worried about, I'm worried about my, my car and I'm worried about this. Like I, I might park over here and then walk up. I'm like, listen. We just want you here. You can stay five minutes. You can stay five hours, like whatever. We'll take the kids to the pool. Um, they, of course, once they got their hands on her, they did not 
<laughs> want her out of their sight. Like, we want to show you this. Let me show you this. We're going to give you a tour of the house. We're going to tell you this. And um, it was so funny because when we went to the pool, my son, one of the twins, Koss, he was like, mom and mom, watch me do this. And it was just, oh. my wife was laughing. It was so funny <laughs> because they knew she was on her way over and they're like, what should we say? How should we address her? I said, call her whatever you want to call her. You can call her by name. You can call her like, you don't even have to say a name. You can just, you don't have to hug. You can high five. You can handshake. You can fist bump. You can just wave you like whatever you want to do. Um, but I could see their little minds and their hearts just like going nuts. Like, how is this going to actually play out? Like, what are we going to do? And oh. it was just so cool to see when she came up, how I, I stepped back and, and Mike stepped back and, and just let them kind of do what they wanted to do. And I was trying to catch it all on film. I'm like, I wish I would have had just like a hidden camera somewhere. You did a beautiful around. job. I, it, it, you, it was everything that it needed to be that video. It was everything that it needed to be. I just love like right off the rip when your husband goes over and he just like, you can tell like he just can't help himself. He's like, I need to hug this lady. Like, you know, like it was just such an emotional whole entire scene. And I, oh my gosh, it's just a breathtaking situation. So tell me more about it. What happens? Like they clearly were so excited. <laughs> they were so excited, but like excited to the point of almost tears. Like they were just like so not necessarily worked up, but like so ready, like they just were ready for this moment. And I don't even know if my husband knew how he was going to feel or how he was going to react. Um, and I just, I feel like I had a different, like I was ready. I was excited for all of them because I had had that opportunity, you know, just to be face to face with her and hug her and, and her and I communicate so much that I knew kind of how that was going to look and feel. Um, and I don't really hold back. Like that's just who I am. Yeah. So I was, I was not sure how everybody else was kind of was going to respond. And I wanted her to be as comfortable as possible. So I was playing the role of, um, not necessarily mediator, but like chill, like chill person <laughs> yeah. in the middle, yeah. neutral. Like, I wanted to keep everybody like, happy and in good spirits and just like comfortable. That's what I wanted. I wanted everybody to be comfortable. I didn't care if we accomplished like anything major, if it, it was not scripted, like I didn't know what was going to come out of any kid's mouth. Definitely. Cause you never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just trying to be like super aware of everybody's vibes and feelings and then intentional with the time that we had. Cause I knew that it was, going to be a short, you know, and also, you know, our birth mom, I was trying to be protective of her heart because I know even without her vocalizing what was going through her mind and how she was really feeling, like I really wanted to protect her time because that is an overwhelming experience. Like she has not, you know, when you have a C-section, you don't even get to hold the babies. You, you, they're just like, you really like sweep them away and, and that was it. She didn't get that time with them. And um, with Sage, you know, her time in the hospital was very short. So what she has are, you know, memories that she holds on her phone, still photos of 
of those moments. And I just wanted this to be something for her that, you know, she could walk away and, and even if it was just a tiny bit healing, um, I wanted that for her. So that was my role on that day, just to make sure that everybody felt like they were like loved and, and seen and taking away just that memory that is just so, so, so special. Wow. I mean, just hearing you talk about talk about it after I've seen it is just is so mind it's just so amazing it's mind-blowing what 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 did you do to to prepare the kids it were, was there anything or it was just all very authentic so leading up to our trip I said you know I've been talking with um, I'm not gonna mention her name no but yeah. I, you know she's she's close by. I, I think we're going to get a chance to hang out for a little bit. Like, how do, how do you feel about that? Like, is that cool? Do, do you want to do that? Is that something you would like? And, you know, kids are, kids are kids. They're like, yeah, like, okay. Like, what do I, what do I have to do? I'm like, you don't have to do anything. We can go to the pool. We can just sit and play games. We could color, whatever. Like, we'll just hang out. You'll get to ask her favorite color or tell her about soccer this year or you know anything I'm like you can say anything you can do anything um so that's when I started to see their brains kind of go and and I think you know for a six-year-old and five-year-old to process that I'm so proud because I, I don't know like that's hard for an adult to process like coming face to face with the woman that you know you came from like that is really huge. And so I was just so proud of my kids, even my older kids, because they supported the little ones so much during that day, just letting them know like that they were excited for them and this is so cool for you. And it was just awesome. Like really, really, really special for us to be able to do that. And I know it won't be the last time. It will for sure be the most memorable I'm, I'm thinking, um, cause you only do that once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you only meet that person one time, but whew, it was just, just really cool. Was and there, that, oh, sorry. Uh, that vacation spot just always felt like home, even before we knew she was there. And now it even more so has so like, much meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is home for them. It is wherever she is will be that. But the fact that we fell in love with this place and, um, you know, now we can go there and it can, it can really have that significance is super cool too. That's so amazing. Do Does she know um, the significance of, does she know about the real? Does she know the attention that it's gotten and how amazing it is in the story? Does she know? Um. So I sent her the video. I said, you know, before I said, put together this little video to share with people. Like, you know, it's, I don't really talk to her about like how I use social media. Yeah. You know, she knows she can, it's public. She can see all those things, but she knows I use it as a platform to share 
you know, life and adoption and, um, you know, support women and families and all these things. So, um, she did have some words for me that were just probably like the most beautifully written words. And, you know, she thanked me and which she did not have to do. This is not something that she needed to thank me for at all, the opportunity. And just that um, it, it captured for her one of the most um, monumental and um, full of gratitude experiences that she can ever recall, you know, in her lifetime. And so, I was hopeful because I was very nervous once I saw, once I, <laughs> when I posted it and then went back later and saw like, oh, okay, my friends, my friends saw it. <laughs> yeah. They are so pumped because they knew we were hoping for this opportunity. So I'm like, yay, my friends get to be part of this because they've been part of it all along. But then I'm like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> these are more than friends. These are like, oh my gosh, people are seeing this thing. And then I started to get so many this was probably the moment that I realized that it was bigger than I even thought it could be was I was getting, and I'm still getting messages from um, birth moms and adoptees saying how, um, you know, this, what this means to them, like as a birth mom who hasn't been able to have that relationship or experience yet, with the child that they placed or as an adoptee who is, you know, searching for their birth mom and hoping for that one day. And those conversations are just so, so raw that it brought me back to like the very reason that I felt God put this on my heart from the beginning. And that is just because people, need to be seen in this way. And, you know, these birth moms are just incredible people. And these, um, and these adoptees are just like part of something that is so beautiful, but also so, so broken sometimes. And to be able to give anybody just a little piece of hope that, that you are so, so loved and your purpose is greater than maybe you even realize at this point and oh god those messages were just for me like probably the one thing that i wanted to take the reel down you <laughs> i didn't want i didn't want it to be like i didn't want it to be a thing that took away from the moment for my kids and i was afraid that people were gonna see it as like that like that's not what I wanted I didn't have any intention for it other than for like my friends to see it like I didn't want anybody to feel like you know it's doing it for any other reason I and now I cannot imagine one single person watching that reel and not thinking the absolute world about you in personally and I mean it literally I think that, like you said, there are so many people that sent you messages and I could like cry about this because honestly, you, you are a saint. Like I, and I know you probably don't want to hear that <laughs> because people like you don't want to hear that. But truthfully, like the way you've, you've talked this whole time, I'm just sitting here 
jaw open. Like, I can't even believe, like, I feel like you're an actual little angel sitting there. But you have opened this door for so many people out there that are wanting to do what you've done, scared to take that plunge, not sure what that looks like. Maybe um, maybe they don't have the best relationship with God and this kind of pushed them towards that. Like, oh, maybe he can open my eyes to what I, like, there are so many avenues that you with this video have opened for people. Bio moms, birth moms, so many people. And I think, don't for one second think, and I, I'm not even just saying this, that that video didn't touch so many people in, in the most graceful, amazing way. I mean, you should be very proud of that. I mean, it's it's your whole life. If that's your life in one video, it's not something you, you're you doing for, for, for a little time on the weekend. Like, for sure. Yeah. It is it is my life. And I I have felt like such a strong connection to our birth mom even before I laid eyes on her. And it was just something that was honestly hard to explain. It it reminded me a lot of my father who when I was a child struggled with a lot of things. And I just know that redemption is so, so possible in your life, no matter how long it takes. And any opportunity that I have to, to just encourage somebody or support somebody on that journey and not feel alone is really where I feel led to do my work. Like I will get up, I will, you know, get out of bed for that alone in the morning, just to let somebody, that one person know that they are important and they're supposed to be here and what they're doing matters. And somebody me if even if they don't believe me you know wants them to succeed and wants them to find joy and and wants them to know that they have a purpose and and i hope our birth mom feels just even even if it's just like the tiniest bit that she has made me a better person she has every day i think about how I serve these kids because it serves her and you know what my gift to her is any chance I have to you know love on these children because one day they're gonna leave my house and and they're gonna have their own story to tell and it's gonna be their version and I want it to change the world I want it to change somebody else's life and whatever that looks like and however they tell the story, I just, I just hope it does that. That's so amazing. You are definitely an amazing, amazing person. And I think that I know that this, this episode is going to help so many people. I've, um, you know, listening, I've heard of a lot of people that are even just the slightest bit interested in fostering or adoption and, and listening to you. I mean, it, it's not that it doesn't come with challenges. So what are some of those those fears or challenges that you could maybe speak to that, um, you know, that kind of go un, unheard of or unsaid? So for sure, the fear of not being enough, um, the, the fear or the challenge that your child, you know, resents you, that that's, that they look at you one day and and they don't think of you as 
the person who, you know, is deserving of them and of being their parent and they want something else. And that's terrifying, but also that's their, that's their right. Like these children know that they came from, you know, the body of another woman. And all I'm doing is serving this period of time as, you know, the best I can, their mother. And, and I think we've walked that delicate balance because I've never kept that part quiet for them. Um, but I know a lot of challenges are, are accepting that, you know, like I need to be able to let them know if, or when they ever do come to me and say, I wish, you know, I could have stayed with her. I wish she would take us back type of deal. Um, you know, that's not for me to feel any kind of way about they're entitled to those feelings. So just every scenario that a, a child could think about their adoption, being prepared for, you know, how are you going to respond to that in a way that doesn't have anything to do with you? Cause it doesn't have anything to do with me, you know, selfishly, I would think or say otherwise, but removing myself from, you know, that part for them. Also, um, I would say your community looking around because not everybody's going to understand what you're doing and not everybody is for it. And knowing that you don't need other people to approve and you don't need other people to understand what you're doing um, to do it. There are definitely people out there. I found a lot of my community initially online. You know, I found a lot of um, adoptive families and adoptees that I could speak with and birth moms who are out there advocating. So just find the people that make you better for what you want to do and don't let the opinions or the thoughts or the fears of other people creep in to that because. And that's that with anything, just, right? I mean, in life, sure. we, we want to surround ourselves with positivity and a community that is helpful and supportive. And so that just fits right in with that. I, I think that's amazing, perfect advice. I did want to ask you as I know, you know, you homeschool, right? And I, you got to get back yeah. to the kids, um, which is also so amazing. I could talk to you forever about that. Um, but I did want to ask you, what is your favorite part about being a mom? So my favorite part about being a mom Honestly, I think I'm just getting, just now getting to it because I'm loving watching them turn into these independent little beings and have their opinions and have their ideas. So for me, my favorite part is watching them evolve or watching them grow into these people. It's the hardest part because sometimes you're like, Oh, where'd you learn that? Or where'd you get that? And and who, who, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> yeah. like but also it's like, wow, you're a real person and you are like fully capable and you are, you know, bold. And I, and I love that. I love watching my kids um, break, kind of just break out and be who they're, or start being who they're aiming to be. So even though it sounds a little sassy sometimes, and it's a little bit like, you know, are you arguing with me? 
Are you just like, what's going on here? But it's really just them figuring out life and they're not babies anymore. They're just these, you know, they're, they're going out they're, they're doing life. And it's that part's super, super cool for me just to see who they want to be and, and listening to their thoughts and their opinions on things um, based on, you know, the information that they have now and having these conversations, that part is fun for me. The things that are not fun for me, baking with kids, (laughs) bath time with kids. I'm like, I don't take it for granted because we're almost out of baths, but also like, can you keep the water in the tub? Yeah, for real. (laughs) So for me, I, I'm not discounting any of the little moments like that, but I'm also really looking forward to those relationships and that dynamic just changing like those one-on-one times when I'm with, um, you know, one kid in the car and they're asking me questions and talking about things like even just this morning, um, cost said to me, Oh, Quinn, two, it was two questions. Cost asked me, so if Mary had Jesus, who had Mary? And I'm like, Oh, it's going to be one of these mornings. (laughs) And Quinn is like, if Jesus had all this power, like, why didn't he just take himself off the cross? And, you know, cool opportunity for me, but like, I don't even know like where these conversations came from. We just were talking about like snakeskin that he found in the front yard. And then all of a sudden we're in, we're into this. So just like how their minds work is probably the best part for me. And motherhood at the younger stage is definitely the trenches, you know, the diapers and the late nights and the screaming in the grocery store aisles and all those things. And I can just, I can remember it. And <laughs> yeah. I probably like wished it away at the time, but um, I, I would tell moms now, like the beauty is the, the best is seriously yet to come. And it won't come without hard stuff because we've walked our share of that with each kid, but there's so much beauty in this part where you just form a, a new relationship. And I'm not saying I'm their friend, I'm still their mom, but I get to be their mom and like buddy with them on their life stuff. That makes so much sense. I, I love that. I think you said it perfectly. I have a one and a half year old, so I'm in the sassy. Yeah, (laughs) I'm in it right now. The, the tantrums, the banging the head on the floor, all the things like, what are you doing child? I'm in it, but I so look forward to everything that you're talking about. Those like five, six, seven, those are such fun ages. And they're like you said, just becoming themselves. And it's just so cool to watch them blossom. So cool. You're but in the work now, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on and sharing your story because this was just one that I was so excited to talk about. Um, I haven't talked about adoption or foster anything like that on this podcast yet. And it's just a whole world of information and, and, and I, that I feel so passionately, passionately about that needs to be spread and awareness and, and you are the perfect person to start that. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing. There's so many amazing people in this community and who I look up to. So I hope these conversations, you know, continue and people connect and get plugged into all of that. So 
they can do the work and, and have that experience if it's on their heart. Um, it's just so cool. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's definitely beauty from ashes. I love yes. that. That's way to, perfect way to put it. So do you want to share where we can find you on socials? Sure. So really, I'm just on Instagram at Eade, E-A-D-E. That's my last name. Um, I've been on Instagram since the beginning of time, which is how I got a name with four characters, I think. Oh, my and God. I love it. I love, I love getting to know people there. The messages and the conversations have been probably the single biggest reason I stay on social media. Um, and that's it. I don't do, I don't do any other socials. I love Just it. There, one and done. <laughs> so at E-A-D-E, we can find you. And yeah, you share so much about your family, about your businesses. Every, I mean, so amazing. And your upcoming move to Tennessee is going to be so exciting. I can't wait to watch that unravel. You've kind of that's shared cool. a little bit. Yeah, if anybody ever wants to just buy a house on the internet without ever seeing it or being going to that place, <laughs> like I can also have that conversation. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> well, 